Welcome to Making Home Happen, a podcast where we discuss everything that makes home happen. I'm your host, Martin Blair. Thank you for joining us on Making Home Happen. Today, I have Malia Hoard with Malia Realty Group. And today, we're just going to get to know more about her and you know, kind of her vision for real estate and what the market's going to be holding for the rest of this year. I mean, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. What a nice little treat for me. Um, I'm very glad you could make it today. So, Malia, you've been in real estate for how long now? I am on my 10th year. Officially, as an agent, my family was in real estate prior to that with a development out west. Out west, mm-hmm. you say yeah. you say a development out west. Well, we had uh, family land in Las Vegas, right on the outskirts of downtown Las Vegas, off the Strip. Oh wow! In building in the second largest subdivision area, and we joined forces with partners, and it didn't end very well. Gotcha. Well, that's Las Vegas. At least you got out of the desert. Uh, it is Las <laughs> Vegas. The good part is, it actually threw me into the fire of real estate, working with brokers, working with lenders, working with creditors, doing forensic accounting, understanding how to build a development. Mm -hmm. So, you know, God works in funny ways, gives you ugly pieces of life that eventually one day you can put together and build a beautiful picture, which led me into getting my license. Gotcha. So getting you into real estate was a combination, I guess, of the experiences that you'd had plus... Plus, what else? There's got to be some glue there. Well, I think everybody dreams about doing real estate. And in today's world, especially with HGTV, they really dream about it. It looks so fun and fancy and exotic and luxurious. So when I was in public accounting, as I graduated college, I always thought about being a real estate law, real estate accounting, Mm -hmm. um, and got involved in mergers and acquisitions in public accounting. And thought, wow, this would be really fun. We'd love to do something one day with real estate. Gotcha. So when you got out here to Lexington, you Mm. know, has it been 10 years you've been here? I actually am working on my 24th year. I moved here when I got married. Okay. I'm a Jersey girl at heart. Mm. So as everybody says, you can take me out of Jersey, but you can't take Jersey out of the girl. I've got some family in Jersey. It's, it's It's a definitely a unique, unique state. <gasps> Jersey is the best. There's three parts of it, the north, the middle, and the south, and I live in the best part, which is the north. Okay, so the New York side. Yeah, the upper, the upper part of it, very luxurious, very much like Lexington, to tell you the truth. You know, the horses, and we have the National Equestrian Team, the U.S. Equestrian Team, in right outside of my hometown, and we have Jockey Hollow Park, which is very historical with George Washington and the troops. So you have big estates, you have private schools, you have the horses, you have the small town feel, just like Lexington. Yeah. So, so didn't yep. get too far from home. And my uh, my family's actually in the Air Force up in New Jersey. And, oh, uh, yeah. So where he is outside of uh, Trenton, mm-hmm. you know, and it being the Garden State, it's it's very it's beautiful, unexpectedly green, you know, and we actually felt very comfortable when we would visit him. And thought, wow, this is not at all what you would expect New Jersey to be like. So um, I can see how you would also feel very comfortable here. Yeah. Very, very similar. Since you've been here for that long and been in real estate now for you know over 10 years, what has maintained your drive in it? I'm a high D personality. <laughs> okay. I think everybody that has met me knows that I just run on energy, the energy bunny bunny is probably my little motto in real estate. You need that energy. 
but I love people when I sat behind the desk of public accounting and then corporate accounting. It wasn't, it didn't give me the energy. It didn't give me that constant chaos. It didn't give me the constant change. What I love about real estate is we follow the same process typically for every transaction. Mm -hmm. However, every single transaction is done and I get to be with people and I'm a people person. I want to be out there. I'll cold call, I'll pick up the phone, I'll have conversations via text and email. But if it was my preference, I want to see you, I want to be around you, I want you to read my eyes, see my body language, and know that no matter what happens, I'm going to take care of you. At least in our industry, it's almost like you're you're practicing real estate. It's mm -hmm. like you practice medicine. Yeah. You know, you've got the ABCs of what you know is about to happen and how it should happen. But like you said, everything's a little different. And since it is... We we just try to make it our best practice every time to you do that. You gotta be on your thing. toes every single day, and I love that. I um, my husband's quite the opposite of me. He's a CPA, owns a CPA firm still, and he loves the consistency of knowing exactly what's going to happen. He likes to plan things out. He wants to know months in advance of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And with real estate, it's living on the edge a lot of the times, taking risks safe risks and leading by example. How do you manage both ends of this? Because being able to, <laughs> you know, keep a successful business, especially in real estate, is going to require you to, you know, have some forward thoughts yep. and planning, budgeting, et cetera. And when you're in such a dynamic field as this, yeah, it's great to have the energy and the uniqueness of every every day being different. Mm -hmm. But at the same time you have to be able to, you know, reconcile that with Okay, consistency to some degree. So it's almost like a parent. If you're a young parent and you had your child when you were in your late teens, early 20s, you didn't know what you didn't know and you grew up with your kids. And if you had your child when you were later in life, you had a lot more patience, a lot more life knowledge so that things didn't rock your world or make things feel so unsteady. I got into real estate when I was 47. I wish I'd gotten in when I was 18, like my son did, but the cards didn't work out that way. And I think God's plan was really right for me on that is he waited for me for later in life to do public accounting, to do corporate accounting. You know, I worked in the service industry when I was young. I worked in it while I was in public accounting to like offset and make some additional income. And then I got into retail, owning a gift company here in town that I did everybody's relationship marketing techniques for them. And there's a lot of ugly personally going on with family life and Las Vegas developments falling mm -hmm. apart. And I always tell people those little ugly pieces built compassion, built empathy, built knowledge, built patience, and built the innate ability to ask questions and to realize that life isn't always about you. It's about other people and serving people. So when I finally made the hardcore choice to slam the books and say, I'm done, I'm going to work for myself, I'm going to get into real estate, I was ready. And it's not a magic combination. It's not something that I could go back and tangibly say, if you did this, this, and this, you're going to be a great agent. Your heart has to be of service. I think your approach to people has to be 
what is it about you? And you'll hear me say that a lot. This is always about you. It's your time. It's your needs. It's your wants. I'm here to help you facilitate making those real estate goals and your real estate dreams a reality because in the heart of heart, I believe homeownership is a dream that everybody should have and should be able to obtain. Very well said. It's a lot to take in, but it it's very, I feel, earnestly spoken. And it's going to, I think, translate into the actual relationships that you have with your clients. Yeah. So to that end, let's let's have some fun with, you know, clients and whatnot. So Well, and let me add this. Oh, if I'm really raw and transparent with you, mm-hmm. I got into real estate when I was forty seven. It was something that I had wanted to get into for, you know, back in my twenties when I was in public accounting. I thought about that. We didn't have the reality shows that we do now. And then when I got into corporate accounting and had my own company and our Vegas development fell apart and I was on the road all the time, I thought about doing real estate. My brother pushed me, do real estate, get your license. The family needs you. We have land. We're doing this. And it it put a bad taste in my mouth for those seven years. But when I finally made the decision to do it, it was almost my last stop. Everybody has a why. Mm -hmm. And when people come into real estate or ask me about it, I really want to understand why they want to get into it. It was my last stop. I was 47. My husband was very sick at the time. I had two kids. I had no parents. I'd been in corporate America. I'd worked for the man. I'd worked for the paycheck. And I never felt like I was paid what I was worth, even though I gave 400% on every day. And I said, it's time for me. It's time for me to earn what I deserve while doing something I love to do. And that's being with people and helping them do things they can't do on their own. So it, it wasn't a choice in reality for me. It was, this is, this is my last stop. Yeah, that was your off ramp. Yeah. Straight away. My off ramp. Right. I have to remember that. That's great. <laughs> well, so how would you advise someone that's thinking about becoming a realtor? I mean, what would you say? You know, what's the first thing to consider or second or last thing to consider? The first thing I'll say is because you get it now, like, oh, why would you get into real estate? The market's shifting. Well, the market's always going to shift. What goes up comes down and what go- comes down can go back up. Right. Home ownership always wins. It drives everything. It drives the plumber. It drives the lender. It drives the appraisals. It drives the banks. It drives the staging, the furniture, the painter, the electrician, the plumber. Home ownership always wins. Even concrete, the roadways, the infrastructure, it drives when people, when a company picks coming into a community. I mean, I know Lexington knows that by far of, you know, really trying to work into their master plan and their infrastructure to get new businesses here. So home ownership will always win. So why not work in that industry that will always win? Mm -hmm. My second piece of advice is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to be successful in this industry? Because I tell everyone that joins our team, Real estate is simple, but it is not easy. It looks glamorous, but behind the scenes, it's guts and glory. It's ugly. It's dirty. It's messy. It's emotional. It's chaos. But most of the time, we never let our clients see that or, you know, the people around us. It's just the people within our team. 
Um, so are you willing to do whatever it takes? And can you afford for the next couple of months to go hungry? I think hunger drives a lot of energy. For me, it motivates me. I never want to be hungry again. I never want to be without a check again. And are you willing to make the sacrifices to do it? And then do you trust me enough if you decide to join our team and let me be your, your mentor and your guide? Do you trust me to follow what I'm going to share with you and train you on? Because what we're doing is working. And I think we've perfected the process, especially with our partnership with Place. And if you trust me, and do exactly what we tell you to do, it's endless, your rewards of what you can accomplish in this business. I, I wholeheartedly agree about the hunger part. I just got off of a 72-hour fast, and I never want to be hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I hired a fitness trainer, Dale Robinson. You get a shout-out. Um, and it's been hard. It's, you know, health is definitely a priority. You know, business is a full service when we take people into our team. Um, we interviewed someone for our team today. Uh, before I even talk about real estate, I want to know about you. Like, I want to be in business with people that I want to be in business with. And I get to choose that now, both with the clients and with the team members. So I want to know what makes you tick. What kind of jobs have you had? Who's your family? What are the important relationships that you have? What are your finances like? If you're sitting down and you want to join my team and partner with me in this this industry, and you're not willing to expose yourself about how much money you need to make to be success, you know, just to survive, we're probably not right to be partners together. Because if we're honest, if we're all honest, money drives a lot of emotion in our personal life as well as our business life. So I want to help you achieve those financial goals as much as the successful goals. And then, you know, what do you do to keep your health up, your mind, your spirit, you know, your mental health, your physical health. So me this year, it's about physical health and getting back into that great mindset so I can be the right mindset for people. Good. And I mean, that's, it's very important to, to think about is, you know, folks can say, you know, yeah, I want to be healthy. Yeah, I should exercise. And it kind of goes back to the beginning of the year, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have your New Year's resolutions. Well, I'm going to be healthy this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's the follow through. Yeah. I think that's ultimately important, you know, because how many of these New, New Year's resolutions fall fall flat week two, right? Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. so if if you are really wanting to get down to brass tacks and you really want to change your life and you want to you know get into real estate or you know, from the flip side, if you're a home buyer and you want to buy a home, you know, what is required and are you willing to truly step into the ring to do it? Um, I don't feel that in our industry that this is technically a career. You know, the word career doesn't fit this. It it truly becomes this is a lifestyle. And if, you, and if you can't say that this is now a lifestyle, then you're probably not doing it right. You probably have a nine to five mentality and this is not a nine to five mentality job. Well, and we talked about it earlier, right? There's 46, 4,800 realtors. Just locally. Just locally in our association. And 10% of those agents are working consistently doing more than 10 deals a year, right? Mm -hmm. The average agent does three. The average agent in real estate for that's been in real estate for 10 years does 10 to 12 deals a year. That's one a month. When I got into real estate nine and a half years ago, 
I didn't, nobody asked me how many units I wanted to do or how much money I wanted to make. I just knew I was hungry. I was tired. I was scared. I had a lot of personal things at home that were like my ground was completely shaken. And all I knew was I want to make a check and I want to help people. And I know that I have to help people in order to help myself. So, you know, now I look at it that you, you, you've got to break people down and you've got to understand what's going to drive them. Agreed. Agreed. So when you're, when you're dealing with your, your buyers and you're getting to know them before you even ask them, so what are you looking for? And you're, you're saying, okay, so what's your name? You know, tell me about you, where you come from? What do you, what, what are you about? Whenever you're developing that relationship, do you feel like it is well appreciated, you know, and they're going to give back and, you know, they, they see the earnestness in, you know, in, in you're wanting to get to know them as a person, not just as a number. And do they reciprocate that or are they still a little standoffish? <laughs> oh gosh, we just had this conversation with my team last night. So it's kind of like you hit a chord. I tell people real estate's very transactional in order to get the process done, right? Once somebody goes under contract, so they write an offer and it gets accepted, it's mm-hmm. contract and it takes probably about 180 steps. It involves you and your side of things. It involves my side, attorneys, inspectors, and the list goes on. So we all have to have that transactional organization. But if you lose sight that our job is to build the relationship, I don't buy, sell, invest in homes unless I'm doing it for my personal self. When my clients buy, sell, build, or invest, I help them do that. I guide them. I become their negotiator. I become their glue to make sure that they get to the finish line. And so many agents don't understand that. So when we meet with a buyer or somebody calls us, the first question is, why do you want to do this? What will that do for you? What impact? What time frame? I'm asking a million questions. A lot of agents forgive the word, but I, the phrase, but they vomit all over their clients, right? Because mm. they don't know what to say and they don't know how to make that relationship grow, to build that relationship from the initial onset. They're just so worried about getting to the transaction. Right. And, you know, we become great question askers, problem solvers. It's making them understand that I'm here to serve them and help them with that real estate goal or their real estate dream or their real estate want or their need. Um, And we're going to do it to the very best of our ability. Gotcha. And I think time Mm -hmm. is, is one of the biggest and most underappreciated aspects Uh, of it. If you do not put in the time Mm -hmm. or respect the amount of time that you are putting in, I should say, then it's very difficult to measure the quality that you're getting out of it. And not to say to you just, sit around and stare at each other and that's the time you, you have to make that you know valuable and important use it and utilize it because you can either sit and just let time pass and waste the moment or you can use it to you know enhance it mm-hmm. and i found that at least with my clients getting to know more about their 
you know, in pulling out their goals, sometimes that's very difficult questions. Like, mm-hmm. what is your goal? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I never don't thought know. about my goal. You got to ask know? them 10 questions to figure yeah. that out. So maybe it's not a direct question. Maybe mm-hmm. you, you have to beat around the bush a little bit and you find out what their goal is through the chords that they strike and the answers that they give to the other questions. You know, if everything seems to revolve around an answer that it's their kids, hey, maybe kids are important. Um, if it revolves around, hey, every time that you talk to them, it's about, you know, some type of a, I don't know jalapeno dish guess what they probably like jalapeno. you like jalapenos you, you guess. so do i yeah but if you ask them that's like what's your favorite dish uh potatoes you know? i think one of the very initial questions we ask besides how did you get our name right because i'll tell you a lot of times people are just getting it right off the internet and when you get that that's like a golden egg right that's mm-hmm. a a win, that's luck of the draw. That's when your lucky is by getting it off the internet lead. But most of our business at this point is referrals and past clients, which is just an amazing gift from our clients that, you know, we've earned their trust. But we ask, well, how do we win and how do we lose with you? And I think agents forget to ask that because there's so many different expectations. Sometimes the expectations a client has is, You know, they want you on time. They want you to have the knowledge. They want you to communicate. They just want you to tell you the truth. They just want you to stick to their plan. We make so many assumptions as an agent. We don't need to ask the question, like, how do I win with you? At the end of the, at the end of the transaction, when we get to put the keys in your hand or a check in your hand, I'm going to turn around and say, would you write me a five-star review and testimony? How do I earn that during this process? Yes. And then how do I lose with you, right? Everybody wants to hear the good stuff. For us, it's communication and trust with our clients. So sometimes I got to deliver bad news. You didn't get the offer. Hey, they didn't like your house. They didn't want to buy it. Um, so how do I how do I lose with you? What are the things that if I do this, it's just going to irk you under your skin? And you'll be amazed. Sometimes it's be late or, hey, your car's dirty or... You, you know, didn't phone me every day. You didn't email me. You didn't give me the right form of communication. Just simple things and courtesy things that we forget to just simply ask. Absolutely. And this is, well, it it resonates a lot here because even in our industry, you know, nothing's new. No. I'm just going to be honest. There's nothing. Technology's new. Technology's Always changing. Sure. Um, And everyone tries to find a new way to incorporate AI now. Like, no, we've. You know, it's the exact same thing. And if you try to disconnect people from it and you try to automate the wrong thing, it it doesn't really improve anything that you're doing. So it ultimately does come back to people. How do you treat people? How do people feel that you've treated them? And like you said, asking the questions, it's like, what is it that you are wanting to achieve at the end of the day? What do you want to achieve with your relationship with me? And you use that word and they look at it as this is a relationship, this is a transaction. No, this is, you know, we're getting to know each other. It's and, a partnership. Yeah. And That's you're so going to get telling. to know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to know your most intimate details. Let's mm-hmm. face it. This is lending. This is, you know, I got to know what you're about. And, you know, I'll see bank statements. I know where you spend your money. <laughs> so, but to that end, it's like, I want you to feel comfortable that I'm not judging. I'm, I'm here to help get to where it is you're wanting to be. So asking that question, what is going, what, What's going to win? What's going to lose here? Mm-hmm. And basically laying out the roadmap of here's what to expect. Mm-hmm. Does any of this you know, sound bad or good? And adjust accordingly. That's, that's just communication 101, I feel. Yeah. And it's, it seems to be slipping. 
Well, and in the same, I, I see agents afraid sometimes to approach questions as well. So as soon as I ask, how do I win and lose with you? I follow up to say, I appreciate you being so transparent and honest with me. It's really important to me to understand things that are important to you. However, I want you to also know that I believe this is a partnership between you and I to get to your goals and help you get there. So with that, we also have some wins and loses that we have with our clients. Our wins, the things that you'll win with us is being able to communicate with us and being able to respond when we need you to, right? Hmm. Our win is being able to share trust. Everybody on my team has signed NDAs. We take that really seriously. Another win with us is knowing that no matter what it takes, as long as it doesn't, you know, jeopardize or compromise our integrity or our name, our family, we're going to do it for you. you Because we're a partnership and I have to be able to think like you and be the eyes and the feet on the ground for you when you can't be with me to see property or handle a situation. You look at this from a perspective of an employee, right? Yeah. So you're contracting me. So are you contracting me hourly or are you contracting me a salary? And you have to, th- I've thrown that oh, question at him before, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I'm hourly, I'm just going to do what's required. You know, I'm going to show up when I have to show up. I'm going to do what I got to do. And when the time's over, guess what? Bye-bye, I'm out. And I don't, I'm not taking my job home with me. Yeah, punching out. Yep. Yep. And Fox if you out. are salary with this, guess what? You can call you, me 24 You live it. You live it. You wake up, it's your, on your mind. You go to sleep, it's on your mind. You take care of it until the job is done. And then you're always worried yeah. that you did a good job after it's done. So I like to think of our careers now and our, our lifestyle as being very much intertwined as a salary position with our clients. I love I love this industry. And, and I think the passion that I bring every day shows that. And I will always tell people, like, I'm so grateful that I get to jump out of bed and let the feet, my feet hit the ground and go, go to work. So many people are like, oh, I have to go to work. I'm like, I get to go to work. And it's not easy. And, and the team knows that we've talked about it this last year. We've had some really unique situations. We've also had some really big transactions that have happened. And People look at those big ones like you're so lucky, but I look at each transaction of I've learned something and I'm grateful that I get to be a part of that. So I get to do what I love to do. I tell my kids, I don't care if you get into real estate or not. You got your license. My son had to get his license during COVID because he wasn't going to sit home and do nothing. But you have a backup plan. And you will always have a way that you can feed your family and earn a living. But I want you to find something that you're really passionate about it. Because when you're passionate about it, you'll never work a day in your life. There are ugly days out there, days that I've gotten on my knees and I've cried as much as the days that I've like shouted and jumped out of the chair like, oh my gosh, that was the best day ever. And all of them are great days because they make the next day more exciting. How do you feel... Real estate, you know, I guess this market in general has evolved over like the past, well, I know COVID was a, an anomaly, but let's say the past 10 years in general. I mean, I've seen, in my opinion, it's gone up and down and up again, but, you know, do you see us moving more into a 
first-time seller's market versus a first-time buyer's market? Or do you see us moving into sitting back, waiting until new homes can be built? You know, you know, how do you see it? So I was part of the development of Distillery Heights in downtown Lexington on Manchester Street back in 2016, 17, we started. And we did, we were involved in a big study that the town did, the city of Lexington. They hired a consultant out of Charleston to do a survey about where the where the economy was going with the real estate market and what we were needing. And at that time, we were 25,000 homes short by 2025. And they knew that. And they also knew we'd be 7,920 beds short for the University of Kentucky, right? So mm-hmm. it was pre-planning. COVID hit. Those numbers hit probably by 2021, 22. New construction is in desperate need, right? If you find that new construction is less than a resale home, we have a bigger issue. And I think you can attest to that. Mm-hmm. New construction has escalated in cost. Interest rates going up have escalated. But we also know the last three years that we had have been the best three years in the history of the real estate industry. Yes. And it's been a joy to work in it, but it's also been really hard to work in it. I find that now the market has shifted, right? What goes up goes down. Um, And we've seen the market shift over 30 years, right? We've had four downturns in those those 30 years. But we've also seen appreciation of homes go from 40% on an average. The last five years, it's been, what, like 52% here in Lexington? Mm -hmm. And we predict, what, 14 to 16% appreciation this year. So I think you'll always see growth in real estate. But there's also the reality of you can't make more land. And my dad used to say that when I was a little girl. You can't make more land. Buy land. Be sure to, like invest in real estate somehow, whether it's commercial or residential. So I look at the first time home buyer and they struggle with, and since I've started in the last 10 years, I see a struggle of the first time home buyer having savings for their down deposit. Mm -hmm. And I think the economy and the government's made it easier and um, have found creative ways for buyers to actually make a down payment or buy a house without that down payment. I've seen the seller that wants to move up to the next house, whether it's right sizing or downsizing, um, they can't buy the second home if the person in the second home hasn't bought the third home. So real estate's always going to be a ripple effect for us. So we have to have the right conversations. I think it's always a buyer's market. I think it's always a seller's market. I think it's there's an investor market. I think there's a new home market. I think there's always four markets going on. And what we try to do is box it in. Is it the buyer's market or is it the seller's market? Well, my question to you is, what market are you in? And let's talk about that market. Because if you're a first-time home buyer, it's a buyer's market. If you're getting ready to sell your home and buy your next home or downsize your home, it's a seller's market. Right. The numbers will always tell you, oh, it should be this or that. But in reality, if we change the mindset, what market are you in? That's mm-hmm. the market we're going to focus exactly. on. Exactly. Sharpen the pencil for where you are. Mm-hmm. I agree to that. Think about this. If we're looking at like the investor's market, for yeah. example, and you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and My favorite. Let's couple that with they're not making any more land. Okay. Let's take into all, let's take into consideration all the pieces. Let's put it out on the table. The, the amazing part of being 
you know, an individual and being a human on this earth is we're mortal and we're only going to live so many years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can only utilize so many homes in my lifetime. You know, I can live in my house. I might have a second home if I'm happy or lucky enough to have one, right? Um, but, you know, once my day is done, I'm done. Now, what happens to that house? It should either be sold or handed down to the next generation, right? So my decision-making at that moment is over as an individual homeowner. Well, what about as a corporation? How long does a corporation live? Infinitely. There you go. So what happens Potentially, as, So right? what happens as corporations start snatching up residential real estate. And aren't we seeing that? Look at Indiana. It's There's towns in Indiana that 90% of it, without saying the name of the town, 90% of the town is owned by a corporation. It's all rentals. We see the north side of Lexington off of Georgetown Road where over in Coventry, instead of building new construction and being able to sell it as a first-time home, right, a new resale, it's strictly rentals. And and the crazy part is they're building them f- as fast as they can, stage one, stage two, stage three. They rent it out immediately with wait lists for the next stage. Mm-hmm. So thinking forward with how the market has developed, you know, luckily – you know, the United States is pretty big, you mm-hmm. know, and we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of land out there. I think it is still up for grabs, but do you think that there's going to be any type of, dare I say the word regulation coming down the pipe with well, the should restriction we reg- of this? Should we regulate that you can only buy if you're a U.S. citizen like some of the other countries do, or do we continue to allow foreigners to come in and buy our land? That's a big issue out there right now. Like, yeah. Now we might get into politics if we go that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, you have that. You you can't make more land, and we see it in Lexington with our master plan. Right. We mm-hmm. live in the horse capital of the world, and with the bluegrass and the farms and the horse sales and the bourbon industry, what do you do with our master plan? There's the debate, the ongoing debate. If you expand the master plan. You go into the horse farms. But if you go out Tate's Creek, they're really not horse farms. But if cattle farms, I guess. More cattle farms. So are you really taking away from the horse industry? But if you go out for sales road, right? Or if you go into Long, you're in the horse farms. So there's that debate. If you expand the master plan, you take away what we're known for. If you go up and you change our landscape, you know, our skyline, right? Then you can, you know, go vertical opposed to horizontal, and then people don't want to change the skyline. So one way or another, we're going to have to figure out a plan because the population is growing, Mm -hmm. the need for home ownership is growing, and if you want to grow your city, you have to bring in businesses, and in order to bring in businesses, you have to have schools, roads, healthcare, and homes. You know, that that brings up a really great point. I think I'm going to have to get some people from the city council in on this podcast. Oh, and we're going to have to have yeah. some discussions yeah. and some deep dives here. Mm-hmm. But from the perspective of residential real estate, I mean, obviously there's a draw. Mm-hmm. You know, the people here, I feel, are second to none. They are, you know, truly, you know, when you say Kentucky, yeah. you know, they are truly different. Southern. So, well, yeah. They're, I'm going to call them unique. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much... Southern. And if you go south, they call us Northerners, but it is, it's that 
a magical dividing line where you get the best of both worlds, I feel. I, I would agree with that, especially being the northern girl. Coming here, I feel like there's this southern charm, but yet there's an element of the savvy hustle of the northerner. A bit, a bit. And if you go south, you know, they, they again, they call us northerners, yep. but, but, you know, we still like our sweet tea up here too. So there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, I think, comparisons that, that go hand in hand. You talked about investors and I'm yeah. going to jump back there. You know, when I got into real estate, I told you there was, you know, a lot of personal things going on that we, challenges and we're overcoming and I didn't know how to get into investments it's not something that you really get taught growing up. And I think in our school systems today, they're not really teaching about it. So this struggle was real. But in the last seven years, we've bought six properties plus a commercial building that if you told me this ten, nine, nine and a half years ago when I got into real estate, I never would have believed it. We teach, we do a win, make, give uh, well series with our partnership with Place, and it'll be coming up in September, so I'll get that information to you. But we teach people how to build wealth with real estate. I think it's the best way to build wealth, right? Your first home, you have three write-off savings. You have the savings on your tax return for the interest. You have the appreciation that you get from being a home sale over the years. And then you have that you're buying down your loan. So you're getting equity all the time with investment. Why not flip the triangle? Everybody, I tell people you have a J-O-B, right? Do you want a J-O-B for the rest of your life where someone's going to determine how much you're worth and how much you're allowed to make? Or do you want to get a B-I-Z, right? And own a business in real estate. Do you want to learn how to invest so that at some point you can flip the triangle from earning a like working to get a check where you have an asset that appreciates and actually pays you money to own it. So I highly recommend if you don't know how to invest, get with an agent, get with somebody that can teach it. Contact me. I'll get you in our wealth series. It's free. But I really wholeheartedly believe that we have to do a better job of educating people on how to build wealth through real estate. I agree. And I, and I want to point out <laughs> a very, very ironic statement. My dad, he's a, a retired school teacher. Mm-hmm. And every day he kind of shakes his head. It's like, you know what? The one thing that they never teach kids that they really should. It's like not only should they hand them a diploma, but they should leave school with two things. Yes. One, a diploma and two, an LLC. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, and know, and know how to use both. Yep. And, you know, that's. It really rings home there. We, we've got to do a better job. Our World Series talks about compound interest, mm-hmm. right? All those cup of coffee. It's amazing to watch kids of the Starbucks and, you know, running in, having fast food and not making meals of what all that money compounded over a year and then two years and three years would do and, and teaching them how that could be their down payment by the time they graduate, teaching them to buy a duplex so that they can live on one side and rent out the other, teaching the parents how to buy an investment property so the kids can go to school and they can get roommates and pay for that. It's been it's been eye-opening for me of what I can do to help other people build wealth because I had no idea the doors that I would be able to open up for other people. Mm-hmm. I saw what we did for ourselves, and I see the legacy I can leave my children and their children because 
there's no reason they ever have to sell it. And if they do, I'm going to teach them how to do a 1031 and you keep trading up and keep trading up. So, I mean, and that's a fantastic point as well. When it comes to purchasing investment property, purchasing a, you know, your first home, utilizing that for wealth management, wealth growth, understanding just that simple concept of it. The next integral part is how do you come by this this you know piece of property well usually you don't have the cash at hand to do it so the loan that you get to purchase that that piece of property that land that duplex that whatever is an integral piece and the way that it is explained the way that it is laid out the understanding that the buyer has at the table of what they're getting and why they're getting it and all the ins and outs of it I think is is a, a crucial aspect of what we try to assist mm-hmm. our buyers with. You know, not only am I going to say, yeah, you're approved or no, you're not. I'm going to let you know why, both mm-hmm. angles. And here's Education. What you, yes, and here's what your strengths are. You can go this direction and make this happen, or you could go this other direction and make this happen. And I was on the phone this morning pre-approving a family here in Lexington, uh, two doctors, you know, husband, wife, doctors of all things. And we were discussing all the different aspects between doctor loans and conventional loans and how much money should I put down. And, you know, if, if I go this route and I put this down versus I go this route and do this, it's like, what's, what's this, what's that? And, you know, and it was, it kind of came down to well, what's your break even, you know, what are you going to do with the money otherwise? You know, here's your interest rate on this money. If you put it in here, you're hedging this If you, and you're, you know, protecting against yeah. this or do you want to put this money into you know the stock market the 401s and whatever have you and then you're going to do the simple mathematics like you know are you coming out ahead or not well even like these homeowners that have gained so much appreciation in their homes i'm seeing some people with covid that they did the forbearance and so now they have credit card debt and or they have credit card debt and they're looking at the appreciation in their home and saying, maybe I should sell my home, get the equity, and rent for a while. Mm. And I said, okay, you do know that a homeowner is probably 45% more in net worth than a renter, right? Mm-hmm. Homeowner's net worth is typically about 425000 and a renter's got about $5,000 in net worth. So you're, you're cutting your wealth there. However, if you want to do that, why don't you take the you know, then we're talking with the homeowners that have the appreciation of why don't you pull out some of that appreciation and use that for a down payment to do your investment in an area where you can get the rent and be able to pay yourself back in five years that down payment that you took out and then reinvest that into another house. Yep. Nobody taught me how to do that. Yep. But there's creative ways, and I know you're really good at that. And that's why we love teaming up with our partners well, in the industry. I was going to say rule number one, pay yourself. Rule number one is a good rule. Yeah. So many people don't. It's amazing how many agents I've had this conversation in, you know, my place partners have really made me aware of profitability to run a business opposed to just, you know, being an agent and having a job. Now, my big question for other agents is, do you know how well you do in real estate? Because we're really good about the shiny objects. We're right. really good about saying, hey, I sold that $4 million house. That was amazing. Or I helped my seller sell that $4 million house. Or, hey, I had, you know, I got a commission check for all of the work that we did to help our client. But at the end of the day, how much money do you really bring home? It's the same question with my sellers when they're like, what are you going to list the house for? And I said, well, 
you're going to list the house. I'm going to recommend what I think you should list it at, but ultimately you pick. But I'm more worried about what you're going to get at the closing table than what we're actually going to make the list price. And so many people focus on the top and not the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting that there are so many agents out there that don't really know what they make and therefore can't invest in the industry that they work in every day. Well, the profit and loss statement of any business out there uh, does require, you know, you have to take some attention to detail and you can't pick and choose what you put into your profit and loss when you are the business. Correct. Everything goes into the P&L at that point. That's right. Where you eat, how much you eat, how was the, was the price of this, you know, did I want to spring for the better pictures on this one? You know, everything is a, you know, ultimate piece of the puzzle that you have to uh, incorporate and understanding where your budget fits is so much more, I think, than the number of transactions you did or even the size of them. You're right. You have to look at the net, the net ultimate value there. Um, and coming at it from um, from this side of things in real estate, we have almost always been in a cyclical mm-hmm. style uh, of work. You know, it's like, I'll go out, I will market myself, I will get some transactions, I'll get some deals, I will work those deals, I will make money. Okay, great. Well, while you were working that deal and you closed that deal, you forgot to do what? You to, forgot to work. You work forgot the, to market yourself. Yeah. So then you start marketing yourself again. And yeah, you find like, yourself uh, going through this ups and downs. Yeah, and it's a roller coaster. It really is. And until you can step back and appreciate the forest and the trees Mm -hmm. you know you tend to get this these goggles on and it's very difficult so i can i can empathize with the real you know the realtors here because you get so caught up in doing the work that you forget what created the work well and i think the biggest struggle for agents and i we i teach this when agents join our team is the biggest struggle is setting your schedule because Honestly, you're a 1099 person, contractor. Mm-hmm. You don't, when you join my team, you don't work for me. You partner with me. When you get your real estate license, you don't have a boss. You are your boss. So it's great that now I can do my own schedule and I can show up when I want to. And I don't have to get dressed if I don't go into the office. But honestly, if you're not up and ready to go at 8 o'clock and doing your business like a full-time schedule would having a full-time schedule that you would if you were uh you know a salaried employee or an hourly one you're setting yourself up to fail and it's the hardest concept for agents to get in the habit accountability to yourself yeah accountability to yourself right because you can tell yourself you get the day off every day yeah or you could like work with a view of the beach and the and nobody has to know yeah i mean there's two two paradigms there i mean you, you have the you have to have the self-discipline mm-hmm. to show up and th- that's hard enough, but let's assume you do have the self-discipline to show up and you do show up, then you have to make sure that you're working on your business, not just in your business. Correct. So there, there's so many balls here to juggle to, to make a very successful entrepreneur here. In my opinion, anyway. I cannot agree. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Nobody gives you that roadmap. I always tell people it's almost like being pregnant you know, when you're pregnant, well, you wouldn't know this, but you would. I would, right? Right. If you're a couple, right, and you're having a baby for nine months, they tell you everything you should do 
every day there's something to follow, every detail about the baby's life and what you should eat and how you should eat and exercise. Then you have the baby and all of a sudden they let you go from the hospital and you have no idea what to do. It's almost the same thing like an agent, right? Is you started to get that real estate license, you get in and all of a sudden you're in and it's, how do I put this all together? What is like the right magic sauce? What's the right way to do things? How is Mm -hmm. the right way to talk to people? Nobody told me really how to do that. And you get training and mentorship, but it's, it's a grind and you got to get in that grind and you got to get in the habits. And when you do, as somebody told me, Marianne Garback, when she told me to get into real estate, she said, get a mentor and get with an agency that's going to train you. And if you can, get into that methodical way of doing things, you'll, you'll, you'll always be successful. I agree. And I think it, this mirrors a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're um, in mortgage and we're studying for our exams, you know, to be licensed mortgage you know, professionals, we, we are going through chapters and chapters and chapters of what we think is important information. And then we have to take that exam and then once we've passed that exam, great, you've got your license, now go do a loan. Well, how do I do <laughs> well, that? How do I do that, yeah. right? Well, realtors, I believe, are much you know, the same. Well, it's no different than when I studied for the CPA exam, right? you mm-hmm. got to study. you got to pass that test. you got to get that CPA to get the, the credentials that you need for you know your public accounting. Um, but nobody tells you really how to go and do an audit or how to prepare that tax return. You have to, you have to learn that. And I think in our society, we are... We've become really good test takers, and we have stopped really applying life to the process until we have to. I think that they're teaching the – well, they teach for the answers rather than teach for the understanding of how to get the answers. Amen. I agree. And so you look at from that aspect. Okay, so I've, I've studied this. Now I'm a professional. I'm card packing. I'm, I've got it, right? And maybe you're lucky enough to fall in the lap of a mentor who can really – care enough to show you the ropes and they tell you what to do. Here's the roadmap. And you start doing exactly what they tell you to do. Now, here's where it becomes very much a faith-based situation. You may be making progress. If you do exactly what they say do, you're making progress, but it's infinitesimal. You can't really see that you're making progress until it does become big enough and it compounds enough that all of a sudden those minuscule things become something of volume and all of a sudden you have a deal and you keep going and you keep going and it's still just a deal and then maybe you know several months down the road you're doing a couple of deals holy crap everything's starting to move and then you're still doing a couple and it's back and forth and then the magic will happen if you keep doing this and your pipeline explodes all of a sudden overnight magically boom where did this come from God, I hope my diet's like that. Right? <laughs> my fitness plan, right? Magically, the scale's going to change. All of a sudden, this worked. It really did. I mean, but that becomes, I feel, in this industry, more important than anything is a lot of faith in your mentor and it in is. your partners and knowing that those with the experience and the proof in the pudding that can say, hey, do this and it will work. I can't tell you when, but it will. It's kind of like your parents saying, just trust me, do it. Yeah. And, you know, I do ask permission of the people on my team, like, Will you just trust me to follow my process, the way we do it, the way, you know, our place partnership does it because it works and it's, and it's been tested by the best of the best, by the top 1%. 
trust me. And then once you've mastered what we have mastered, tell me how we can make it better. There you go. Because I believe no matter what industry you're in, you're always you're always the student of the industry. You always have to be with education and trying to follow the market and study, you know, where things are going and the rates. You have to be a master student. Absolutely. And when you stop learning, you stop growing. So from a perspective and just going to, we got to shift gears a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, cause I think one, this conversation is, is fantastic and I can keep on going all day. But let's, let's shift gears a bit. And okay. I would normally suggest that we we start talking about, you know, what makes you different from a perspective of, you know, working with buyers and sellers and so on and so forth. But I, I'm not getting that vibe that that's the direction we want to go today. We're probably going to revisit this okay. on that angle. Sure. But what I am. I mean, I, I get to see you again. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, it, it's going to be, I think, let's let's dive into you, your team and your your vision for what you're seeing Malia Realty being in like the next one, three, five years from now. Do you want to grow this as just you and your team? Do you want to have multiple teams? I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out. I don't know. But, you know, and, and let's let's tap dance on that a bit. You know, how do you feel about teams versus individual mm-hmm. agents? You know, let, let's let's you know, go a little deeper here. Well, let's start at the beginning then. When I got into real estate almost 10 years ago, I started with Keller Williams. I interviewed everybody. I didn't realize that you weren't supposed to interview everybody. Um, I learned that I get to interview them as much as they were interviewing me. And that was a process. But when I did get in and start, I got offered to join five different teams. And I didn't understand what the team would do for me. And how it would help me. I think we missed the opportunity at that point to ask the right questions on both sides. The team concept was fairly new at the time. Um, People either believed in it or they didn't. And if I'm really raw and honest, my ego and pride said, why would I join a team? I can do this. Everybody has told me I can do this. And I know that if you can do it, I can do it too. So my ego and pride dictated and affected some of the decisions I made. I'm glad I made them because it gave me challenges and experiences that I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't. It also cost me a ton of money. I did an insane amount of sales my first year. I've been in the top 1% since I started because, one, I told you I'm a high D, and two, you know, when I do something, I was always taught that you give it your all, and if you don't want to do it again, don't sign up for it again. But I knew that I was all in. And when I got asked for financials, Several years later, right, my husband would do my tax returns. But when I was getting vetted for this place partnership two years ago, um, and we really looked at my finances over the course of then seven and a half years, 
I was like, well, dang, I, I barely made any money my first four years in the business. I was spending all my money trying to keep up with, you know, the Tom Dixon Harry's and trying to do what I thought a real estate agent was supposed to do or have the shiny objects. And I followed them that I learned how to do the process. And I think I learned how to do it meticulously well. And I could be relational with the client, but I didn't do well running the business. And as, you know, a former CPA, as being a former business owner of several businesses, that's a hard pill to admit openly and honestly. But I think it's important because had I known the value of what a team would have offered me, I would have thought differently. I think our mindset goes into oh, I'm sharing money instead of saying, if we partner together, this is what I'll do for you and this is how the money flows. Mm -hmm. And people weren't open about that. I think we're open now more about it. When I got invited to talk about place, so what is place? Place is a partnership of the top 1% of the agents across all of North America and we have come together with our individual businesses and partnered together to use the same systems, processes, tools, technology, playbooks okay. to do things bigger, better, and faster and to provide the ultimate client experience and have the ultimate collaboration. I feel very fortunate that I'm the first partner here in Kentucky. We have have three now and we're vetting several others. But I hope there's hundreds and thousands of partners in Kentucky because I'm partner 91 and right now we're about partner 300. And it's growing exponentially because I believe you can do far more, not only for yourself, your family, your clients, in your community, if you work together, then you can by yourself. We all get 24 hours, seven days a week. And there's only a finite amount of time that you personally can do. And two and a half years ago, when I was invited to look at place, my first answer was no, I don't want to share what I'm doing because I had the most phenomenal year that year. Right. And I was very short-sighted and the scarcity mindset, but I was exhausted. I was exhausted because I was working insane hours, seven days a week, and I didn't complain about it because I loved what I was doing. But I was also, I couldn't do any more. My bandwidth was dried up. So I was at, a, uh, I was at an exit ramp. Either I'm going to go back and just be by myself because I was trying to build a team, mm -hmm. have an admin, a buyer's agent, and I didn't understand how to really be a good partner to make it work for everybody well. So I'm either going to be a solo agent and do it all myself and cut my expenses, or I'm going to partner with the top agents and I'm going to be raw and transparent and giving to say, teach me what you know and I'll teach you what I know. And together, let's build something amazing because I know if you're with the right people, <laughs> nothing's impossible to do. And what we do is the greatest gift of what we do as a partnership is give back. I look at it of the team concept. Everybody that sits at my table and my team is my partner, just like place and my partners with place have partnered with me at their table. I invite people to my table that want to do extraordinary things, bigger, better, and faster 
not only for themselves, their family, their clients, and our community, but something that we can add significance to this world together. Awesome. I mean, I mean, that's inspiring and, and I'm not even a realtor. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I want to join your team right yeah. now. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic philosophy, I feel. Um, and I think it crosses the industries that the more you're willing to, to put yourself out there for the benefit of the team and, 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 you know, just be, you know, what's the right way to say it? Um, just like you said, raw, just here I am. This is what I've got. This is what I want to do. Absolutely transparent in, in your goals and achievements and trusting that the other person on the other side of the table is, you know, you know, they're, they're matching up. They're going to do the exact same thing. And you're all in this for the same benefit. It, it does. It, it inspires. It, it, it motivates. It drives you to want to be better, be a better version of yourself and, and a better version of your team. I believe it, it makes you start to become imaginative and see, you know, what is possible? Where can we take this? You know, what about this? What about that? Well, and when I started, right, I had to take every client because Mm -hmm. I was, I hadn't had a check in five months when I got into real estate. I had kids. I had no family. My husband was sick, right? I, I like money. I like to go on vacations. I like to buy nice things. In order to do that, you need money. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, run a non-for-profit. I have to pay my bills. So I would, I did whatever I had to do and I chased after the client what they needed and I got better along the way to ask better questions. So I wasn't, you know, running all over town. I got very strategic about how the process was. Mm-hmm. So now I can look at it to say with so much gratitude of, I don't have to take every client I would love to help everybody that walks in our door, but sometimes we're not a great fit. And if we're not, I have enough. I have learned to take my ego and pride and put it away and Mm -hmm. say, you know what? You are more important to me with our relationship. This is a better fit. I'm better to say to my client now, listen, I know you think this is the house, but based on what you've told me, this, this, and this don't align with what you told me were the most important things. This isn't your house. Trust me, let's keep going. I'm okay to say to the client, when we hit a roadblock in the process, we're going to try to get through it. But if we can't and we have to force ourselves through, I promise you it's going to show up later and it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. So trust me, let's, let's cut our losses now and start the process over. I've gotten to that point where I can do that. But when you get in that team concept, right, you you have to look out for the benefit of the whole, right? The ego and the pride's left at the at the door. And I tell everybody, you have a voice. The good part about this with the team is financially, I take that that huge burden off of you so that we can focus on getting you into production and getting you serving people so that you can grow a business. I open up my books and I've had to become vulnerable. I've had to learn how to trust people in a whole different way, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I partner with you, I want to know about you. I want to know about your health. I want to know about the relationships, what drives you financially, what drives you with your motivation. And then I want to talk to you about us being partners because I've been in partnerships that don't work, partnerships in Vegas, partnerships locally. 
And I've learned from them, but I've also learned that when I got into those partnerships, I didn't spend the time or the effort getting to know the person and the partner that I was getting in bed with in business. And I'm doing a much better job with that. I don't think everybody will always stay with me. My goal is what my first boss said to me, if I can promote you to go bigger and farther without me, I've done my job. Hopefully, I'm going to create a culture that you're never going to want to leave, and you'll grow bigger and better with me. Right. And this is an industry, as as dynamic as it is, makes that, boy, a real challenge because (sighs) you don't have the... The, the cookie cutter, this you is don't. what to expect. Mm-hmm. This is the highs and lows and sideways and everything else. You know, we've got such amazing agents in this industry, and, I, and I'm just honored that I get to work alongside them. You know, we've got some big top names that have been in the industry 30 and 40 years. And by God, I bow to most of them because when they got in the business, they didn't have the technology. They didn't have dot loop. They didn't have electronic signatures. They didn't have an MLS that had everything online or ZillowHome.com or your own personal website, they literally had to get in a car and push paper, fax things, manually have them do it. And, you know, they earned the respect that they're still in the industry because I see agents come and go with, you know, with a transaction because it was hard or because they made a big check and all of a sudden they don't need the industry anymore. And the industry can serve many needs or all your needs if you allow it and if you're patient with it. But, The agents that have been in this industry a long time, they deserve our respect because they helped build it. And now we've come into an industry that's very user-friendly, very accommodating to a fast-paced lifestyle that they had to get used to. And we can go bigger, better, and farther faster than they could have because of the tools that we have now. Agree. I agree. Uh, I remember... You know, it wasn't that long ago we were having to pick up, you know, Harmon Home magazines to see what what's you know was for sale out there. I remember when I bought my house here. You know, Suzanne Elliott was my agent at the time. You know, and she brought over a packet, and we had to go through physical pieces of paper looking at the house. Right, and you know, and that was when you showed up in a suit and tie. That's always. right. Always, we still show up dressed. Yep. Well, that that was. On hiatus a little bit back during COVID, a smidge. Uh. You know, my mom used to say to me, my, I fought my kids their whole life. They're 21, 23, and Christopher, my stepson, is 34. Mom, why can't I just go to the birthday party in these cutoff jeans and a T-shirt? And like my mom said to me, you're going to celebrate your friend. This is their birthday. This is all about them. You're going to go dress to celebrate them. Hmm. And so I feel it's the same way in real estate. I get the unique pleasure of being able to serve them to buy their biggest financial investment. It may not be the biggest financial investment of their life, but it is of the moment. And I want them to know, I know that's a big deal. And I want to show up for them to be the best I can. And that means I'm going to dress my part. And that's that's my personal opinion. That's what my team's you know, his philosophy is. So we show up for you. There you go. To celebrate you. That's fantastic. If you had to think, you know, what was the most rewarding single transaction? The one, the number one. And you don't have to say names or give overall specifics, but was there one particular time that you wish you could have that same feeling on every transaction? Oh, 
I'm going to write a book, I swear. I've been saying it since I started about the stories because you really can't make up the stuff that you learn in real estate and in the moments. You know, they said at my son's graduation, the value of a moment is never fully realized until it's a memory. And with each client, there's a memory behind it, good, bad, or indifferent. And to be a part of their next chapter or the chapter that they're closing, how do you how do you put any kind of price tag or you know five star next to that over the next five star? Well, you you just gave it. That's the right answer. Yeah, wrong. There is no one. That's I right. I mean, there really isn't each yeah. one. I mean. I truly am honored that I get to be a small part of their next chapter or their last chapter of that story. And and when you lose sight of that, I think you lose sight of how incredible this industry really is and to be a part of it. That's what got me to stick with this industry. Mm-hmm. My, my first closing ever was the most, um, I, I like to say, you know, um, it's a wonderful life, Bailey building and loan. You know, if, if you remember that old movie, right, where all he did, George Bailey was about building the town, building the town, building the town. And it comes down to, you know what, I want there to be a, a place people can come to get a home if they truly want one. Mm-hmm. And whenever we closed on that first deal, that very first deal, I was like, it was right before Christmas of all times, right? Um, they were able to get their earnest money check back at closing that they weren't expecting to get back. It was it was just so surreal for me. And at that moment, I'm like, you know what? I can do this. That, that was the moment that said, you know what? I Not only can I do that, I want to do this. Because the feeling I took away from being able to get them into their home yeah. is why I, I do this. You know, one of the most memorable moments was I had a client that walked in an open house and she couldn't afford that open that price point and when I got talking with her you know what are you looking for have you been in other homes you know she had a you know some children and I said you know have you been pre-approved and she's like I haven't nobody will nobody will talk to me and I said, what do you mean? And it still brings emotions to me because when we got to the closing table, she said, I want you to know you're the only agent that actually took the time to talk to me. She bought an $85,000 townhome. Mm-hmm. At that time, I think the average price point was like one seventy-five, one eighty. And she's like, I know I'm not a big sale for you, but you'll never know how much it meant to me that you took me on. She has referred me more clients. She's about to sell that townhome and buy a house. And she has shared her family with me. And I think with almost all of our clients, they become family. It's not it's not what we sign up to do, but it's one of the best benefits of it. I really feel like the relationship with my clients starts at the closing table because that's when we really get to become part of their life that we've helped them, you know, into. Yes. And I, I think that that's what makes this industry what it is. And, yeah. and those that, I, that have a, a, a shared feeling of this, you know, giving, 
you know, I, I think that realtors and lenders alike get bad raps because, the, oh, they're, we're just numbers to them. No, not really. You know, we we're in this more for more than you think. And it's, it's really the feeling of helping people do something in our in my my opinion, my humble opinion on this. One of the single most important aspects of American life is having a roof over your head if you want one. Mm-hmm. And if you truly want one, I'm truly willing to help you achieve it. And that I feel resonates throughout the entire industry through, you know, thick and thin. If they really want the house, most all of us, I think, have got a giving nature to want to help. Yeah. And wow. So this is this has been a lot of fun. I've so enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the opportunity oh. to sit with you and just be able to collaborate and talk and share. It's been amazing for me. Uh, I've I've Man, this is uh, that's one of the best parts of doing this podcast yeah. is getting to know, you know, really the person over there. I don't want to feel forced or pressured. I, I like to just, you know, get to know, you know, and I want I want the listeners to get to know, you know, who are you? Who am I? What is it about? You know, who do they you know, what do they care about? What makes them tick? You know, do they go to NASCAR? You know, little things. That pop <laughs> so up. you do know that we're going to reciprocate and we're going to come on our podcast and we're going to peel back the onion of how you started. Well, as long as I get questions that I can <laughs> say that, yes, you can ask or no, you cannot, then okay. we're fine. Deal. That's perfectly fair. Well, Malia, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate thank your you, time. Thank you, Martin. I've enjoyed it so much. Let's do it again. And, Absolutely. You know, hey, remember when you're ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, I'm your girl. Just ask Malia. There you go. And I will put all of your information out there as well. So Perfect. definitely um, check this out. This has been Making Home Happen. If you are a professional with ties to the real estate world and you'd like to be a guest on our show, please shoot me over an email to myloan at martinblair.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.